Welcome to the newest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, Survive and Thrive, a podcast co-hosted by Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, and Courtney Nordrum, Regulatory Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer at Deluxe. This season on Survive and Thrive, we're talking about compliance disasters, which befell companies because they weren't looking at the right clues, had their collective heads in the sand, or did not expect the unexpected. If you want to know how to prepare for and avoid disasters from the compliance perspective, this podcast series is the podcast series for you. Survive and thrive. Hello, everyone. Uh, This is Tom Fox. Welcome to Survive and Thrive, a podcast where we unpack compliance crises and disasters, walk you through all the red flags which appeared and give you lessons learned going forward. And for the second time, I'll remind you that I'm your co-host, Tom Fox. And I'm Courtney Nordrum, Regulatory Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer at Deluxe Corporation. This season on Survive and Thrive, we're talking about compliance disasters, like Tom said. Unpleasant situations companies find themselves in because they weren't looking at the right clues, had their collective heads in the sand, or hadn't yet figured out how to expect the unexpected. Today's episode is all about how to survive a GDPR data breach, and I pray you never have to. So, Courtney, you are in uh, the land of 10,000 lakes, uh, as we know from Ham's Beer, Minnesota. And it we are recording this in late July, and you are digging your summer. And uh, as you are getting ready to leave for a nice long weekend with hubby, uh, Mr. Courtney, uh, the, um, you, you, uh, you are cognizant of the fact that a couple of years ago, you were appointed a GDPR officer for your company. You're here in the United States. Europe just kind of runs itself. And so you learned how to spell GDPR. You listened to quarterly compliance on a couple of webinars because they're the experts and Hey, it, you know, it's all going good, but you know, you're going to be at the lake and uh, internet free lake because after all it is july in minnesota when uh, all minnesotans go to the lake so as uh, you're getting ready to head out to the lake um you get a call from the head of your european business unit and she tells you that the company has been hacked and not only did they get confidential internal data it's unclear if they got the crown jewels or not but they hacked your customer information and even got personal records on your employees, which contain personal identifiable uh, information. And you say, thanks very much, but your head is really at the lake already and you'll get back to them Monday um, because uh, you and Javier are getting ready to head on out uh, for uh, an internet free lake <clears throat> weekend. Now your phone is not, only uh, internet, you do have cell phone service. So as you're driving, you get a call, but the call is from a number identified as unidentified number. And as we all know, you never answer one of those calls because it's only gonna be a scam artist or someone that you don't wanna talk to. So you don't take it. Uh, After just a lovely day and a nice, you know, relaxing grill by the lake and eating way too much food, um, for reasons known only to yourself, you decide to check your voicemail, and you do, and it's a um, frantic call from your European counsel asking you to call him immediately. So 
this is somewhat disconcerting. You do have cell phone service. Uh, sketchy at best, but some cell phone service. So you stand around with your hand in the air, trying to get a good signal. Uh, and after you get that signal and uh, reaching towards the heavens and perhaps invoking the deity once or twice during this process, uh, what do you do from a more terrestrial basis? Um, well, first we're going to stay on the deity piece and I start praying um, that my uh, choice to go out to the lake has not hurt my company. As we know, this is a very hypothetical situation because we learned in a previous podcast that I would cancel my anniversary if there were a problem. So no doubt I would also cancel my lake trip um, if there were a problem. Well, you're but already there. You know, you're already there. I'm already there. I'm already there. I have no internet and I have sketchy cell service. And so in this hypothetical space, I'm going to immediately call GDPR counsel back and hope that it's not the middle of the night there, um, although it most likely is. So having a, so I'm going to disconnect from reality a little bit because I know enough about the GDPR to be scary. But in, in the hypothetical, I, I don't know nearly as much. So I want to know why my council is freaking out and why they are very, very concerned that I get back to them quickly. Real Courtney knows this is because of the uh, mandatory reporting deadlines that our, our friends, the Europeans, like to impose when there are data breaches. And no doubt my GDPR council, who is um, a prim and proper British gentleman would most certainly um, make it very clear in the most prim and proper fashion that I have made a, a, a terrible mistake. They would never say that because they're British, but no doubt I would feel that I made a terrible mistake. So first step. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say that there's the... Uh, summer in Minnesota weekend exception to any deadline. Haven't uh, I've heard U.S. lawyers say that? Well, there's a Thanksgiving exception. They must recognize the state of Minnesota, the land of ten thousand lakes. Right. One would think they they would, particularly during the state fair. So Minnesota State Fair, the best state fair in the whole country. And if you don't like that, fight me. Um, <laughs> so I, I think there should be a summer in Minnesota exception. However. My gut tells me that the European Commission's not going to align with us on that. <laughs> now, um, as, as much as we try, I don't think they're going to be really seeing things the way we see things. Um, I'm, I welcome them to visit Minnesota in the summer. We have approximately four lovely days, and the rest are unbearably hot and or thunderstorms. So they're, they're welcome to visit us. But... Yeah, I don't think there's an exception for Courtney going to the lake during a Minnesota summer. Did you just say that if anyone disagreed with your assessment of the Minnesota State Fair, that they could bite you or fight you? Fight. Dukes. They can okay. fight me. Okay. Just wanted to find out if you said bite me on a podcast. No, I said fight me. You can fight me because I will fight to the death for my belief that the Minnesota State Fair is the best state fair in the country. Um, so so after, after prayer, what's next? After prayer is, is we call council back. Um, 
and we see why they were so panicked and hopefully they have a plan forward that can prevent the organization from getting into any trouble. Immediately if I, after I get off with counsel, I'm gonna call everyone on our incident response plan. And so this is really a plug for everyone who works in compliance, who might deal with data breaches, make sure there's an incident or a crisis plan and that you have it set who you're gonna call, who's gonna get on the phone, who's gonna make decisions. All of those things are already set in a document, in a plan. So I just call the people and get everyone on the phone because when things are urgent, that's the last time you wanna be guessing at decisions you need to make. So I'd fire up our incident response plan, get our crisis team on the call. And first and foremost, as the, the, the CCO, I wanna make sure that the bad guy's out of our system and that we're not continuing to have problems. So if we're continuing to be subject to a hack or be taken over whatever the bad guys decided they wanted to do this week, then that is the main priority in my mind rather than the reporting that is required from as a result of that. So in my head, and I would prioritize doing whatever we could do to get the bad guys out of our system. Once we're assured that the bad guys out of the system, then we assess, assess the severity level. And, and with my CISO, we have, <laughs> Tom, you're gonna make fun of me again, um, a very uh, quirky uh, way of assessing severity. I simply ask him, is this big scary or is this little scary? And he then tells me if whatever breach we have <laughs> or data issue we have is big scary or little scary or something in the middle. Because I'm not fluent in technology the way that our tech folks are and our information security friends are, I need and, and rely on the CISO to break it down for me. What is the extent of the information security hack or breach? And that helps me then not have to assess that on top of all of the other risk and regulatory assessments I'm making. So I say big scary, little scary, medium scary. Assuming since it's GDPR and they got customer information and employee information, this is easily in the big scary bucket. Um, then we're going to start immediately going to how do we react? How do we find out how this happened? How do we prevent this from happening again? And how do we communicate that this happened in a way that preserves our reputation and meets all of the regulatory requirements? So we're gonna see if we need to engage a forensic firm. Do we have in-house knowledge enough to assess what happened and, and track it to see how this took place? and then take the steps necessary to prevent it from happening again? Or do we need to get someone to come in and help us with that effort? I think most of the time, particularly with ransomware, it's pretty common that companies are engaging forensic firms to help determine where the breaches come from. And when they do that, and, and when you do that, and when I do that, you wanna do it under privilege. 
you want to be able to try to protect that which you know may be harmful. I will, however, caution everyone to keep in mind this week, and I don't remember where it came from, but there was a case that came out where I want to say maybe New York courts refused to allow forensic reports from a forensic software firm to be considered privileged because they were prepared to understand the breach itself rather than prepared for litigation. So this is not legal advice, but if I were you and I were engaging a forensic firm and I were doing that under privilege, I would make sure I was doing so in preparation for the litigation that is very likely to happen as a result of this data breach and not just because you wanna see where the, the breach came from. At, at that point, once I've spun up everything that needs to be spun up, I'm gonna probably get my GDPR counsel back on the phone. I'm gonna tell them what I know, which is going to be, we've got our, our plan spun up, the, the CISO says, this is how we think the bad guys got in, we're sure they're out, or we don't know if they're out or not, and, and we're working on it. Um, we're going to engage XYZ forensic firm, and then we could have a discussion whether counsel engages them or I engage them as counsel, and then talk about next steps. Next steps are going to be determining which customers and which employees were impacted, and then analyzing the individual countries of residence. So we, we want to start figuring out where we're going to have to report. The European Commission itself is united that GDPR applies throughout, but each of the individual nation states has their own reporting scheme, and, and there is nuance in where you report and to whom. So for anyone who's ever gone through this, in this hypothetical, I would hope that we would be able to report in a friendlier country <laughs> rather than one that it takes a harsher look at, at data breaches. So in other words, pray we don't have to report in France. Again, collect that information, figure out where we need to report, and then I'm gonna ask council to start drafting. I'm going to definitely want council to draft the regulatory notifications. And then I would also ask council to draft notifications to the individuals affected by the breach, because these are most likely going to be Europeans. And as an American CCO, I have an awareness of European rules and law, but I'm in no way an expert on GDPR, data breaches, and, and all of the um, notifications that are required. And so I would ask council to set up and uh, draft those notifications to the individuals affected by the breach. On our side, we're going to probably set up a toll-free number for questions because we know once our customers and our employees get these notifications that they're going to be angry or sad or confused or all of those together and, and want to talk to us and ask how this happened and what we're doing to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. And so we want a number that we have someone who understands the situation answering that call. And then as part of our incident and response, we're gonna work with the CorpCom team on any public notices or any sort of public response. So a lot of times when we see organizations getting hacked, 
you'll see it on a blog first before that organization says anything publicly. And so we want to be able to make sure that we're directing the message rather than having gossip and, and others talk about what happened to us. And those are all of the things that I would do before I went to bed at night and probably even before I made any s'mores. Wow. Doesn't get much more important than that. Um, so it's now um, 60 days later. And uh, what started off as big scary is now medium. It went to medium scary. And now it's actually little scary uh, because you feel like uh, you were able to uh, isolate the, the breach and go through all the regulatory hoops that you had to go through. And you get a call one day from a colleague, uh, also a fellow Minnesotan. <laughs> and Minnesota. this colleague says, you know, we're concerned about our new European subsidiary uh, around data breaches. Are there any lessons you could point us to around GDPR or uh, general cybersecurity? What would you tell them? First thing I would say is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So said in a, a less posh way, try really, really hard not to get hacked because it's way easier to try not to get hacked than it is to deal with the fallout of a hack. And that's really, um, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because everyone's gonna get hacked. We, it, it's just how it works. The bad guys are smarter than we are and it's their whole job to be bad guys. And so eventually everyone's going to deal with a data breach of some sort. And because of that, um, I would say that you need to have in place a good system for awareness. So do you make sure that starting at the, the CSR, so the customer service representative and like email help desk teams, that they have a way to immediately engage the right people if they're getting reports from customers on, oh, this seems weird, I can't log in, or I logged in and saw someone else's information or anything strange. So you wanna make sure that you have the right people able to ring the right alarm bells in your organization so that you're catching a data breach as early as possible. And then if you're dealing with European data, your timelines are really, really tight. They're, they're fairly unforgiving. And so spin up your internal incident response team as soon as possible. Uh, it is one of those things that, like, like I mentioned before, you want to have a plan before you have to use a plan. So build a plan, build a response team, go through scenarios, test it at least yearly, get people on the phone. And because it's, it's similar to training in the military, basic training, is that you want people to be able to make decisions and act in the moment in the way that they've been trained to act. And if you take away the options not to, and if you give people a plan and you practice your plan, then chances are they'll be able to act on that plan as we need them to. So make sure that you can spin up your, your incident or your crisis team or whatever you call it, your data breach team quickly. And, and that the people who are on the phone need to be on the phone. The lawyer in me also says, make sure you have a lawyer on the phone 
and that you run through privilege, what it means, and how to protect it while you're in those calls. Well, that is uh, quite a lot to digest and hopefully uh, lessons learned that you have communicated to our colleagues. I found a, uh, I thought a very appropriate rallying cry that we're going to end our pod with, Courtney, which is hacking is exploiting security controls and either a technical, physical, or human-based element. I think that's a different way of saying what you just said, you're going to get hacked. And whether it's animal, vegetable, or mineral, you're going to get hacked. So uh, be be ready. Uh, that brings us to our time for this episode, Courtney. You want to uh, take us home? Sure. Join us on our next episode of Survive and Thrive. I'm Courtney Nordrum. And I'm Tom Fox. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast? Do you have an idea which you think would be helpful to the compliance community? Do you have a great story to tell? If any of these are true, why don't you start a podcast and put it on the Compliance Podcast Network? I have partnered with One Stone Creative to create a end-to-end solution for you to tell your story on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you have questions, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and more importantly, I hope you will tell your story with your podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network.